Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. I'm Logan Camden. I'm Carson Brabber. And this is Nerd Sesh. No! Oh, my God. How could he do that? Are you on Charles Darwin. All right, so today on Nerd Sesh, we are bringing back a personal favorite of ours. We are doing the eighth edition of Trivia Time. I quiz Logan about NFL history. He quizzes me about NBA history. 15 questions as always. So, Logan, I'm going to throw it over to you. What do you got for me today? All right, Carson. The 2005 Pistons pushed the Spurs to a defensive seven-game series but still had six players over 10 points per game. How many of them can you name? This is the 2005 Pistons. Yes. Okay. So, Ben Wallace, obviously. Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton. Wait, no, wait, no. Ben Wallace is not, obviously, actually. Ben Wallace is not, obviously. And I'm guessing that's part of this question is that Ben Wallace is not one of them. So, retract him. Rasheed Wallace, Rip Hamilton, Chauncey Billups. I'm going to – oh, Tayshawn Prince. I'm going to throw – Corliss Williamson in there because he was six man of the year the year before that, I believe. So I think that he was at least pretty relevant. Sixth guy from the mid 2000s Pistons. Early to mid 2000s Pistons. This team really underrated. Five straight Eastern Conference finals, or six straight maybe. Back to back finals. Go ahead. I'm going to stop you. So you've gotten, you got Chauncey Rip Rashid and and Tayshun, you need two more guys. Uh, Cordless Williamson is not one of them. Okay, two more guys. Hmm. Boy, I'm struggling to think. I got the easy ones. Well, I guess I should throw Ben Wallace in there as a guest then. And, and Ben Wallace is the fifth guy, so there's a sixth guy Okay, here. one more guy. God, I really thought that Corliss was going to be kind of the weirdo of the bunch that I wasn't going to was expect. When, when I went to make this question, I thought – Cordless Williamson was actually going to be an answer too. I was like, that's why it's going to be interesting because I feel like we've had so many random conversations about Cordless yeah. Williamson. Okay. I, it's always hard to remember the career arc of Antonio McDice because starts in Denver, 
Then where's his next stop? I th- he was he on the Detroit championship team? I'm throwing Antonio McDyson there as a guess because I know he played for the Pistons around here. And if he did, I'm pretty confident he averaged 10 a game. Carson Breber clutches out the first question. And he all gets right. All six. Antonio McDyson. I was going to give you a hit, and I was going to say that he ended his career with the Spurs. Yeah. But, wow, just Antonio McDyson right, uh, right out your pocket. Nice. All right. All right. I like that one. I'm going to throw it over to you with a draft question. We've got a few draft questions today, and Ooh. this one pertains to the draft we just had. So Joe Burrow and Tua Tungavailoa were both taken in the top five of this year's draft as SEC quarterbacks out of LSU in Alabama. Before them, who was the last SEC quarterback taken in the top five of the draft? Ooh, this is a good question. Um, SEC quarterbacks in general, I'm trying to think, recent memory. Um, Well, Jamarcus Russell went one in 2007 out of LSU, so I'm going to keep him on the back burner. Um, and I'm going to try to go through draft years ever since. Uh, 2009, we had Matt Stafford and Mark Sanchez go out of Georgia and USC. Uh, 2011 was Sam Bradford out of Oklahoma. 2012, Cam Newton out of Auburn. Um, Auburn is SEC, so Cam Newton is up there. We had Luck and Arch. How many quarterbacks was it? Was it one or just two? It's just one. Just one. Okay. Yeah. Um Right now, Cam is my guy, and we had Luck and RG3 out of Baylor and Stanford. I'm, I'm going to go Cam Newton in 2012. Cam Newton is correct. It was 2011, but oh. you had the right idea there. And it's always strange to see. I mean, by far the most dominant conference in college football, but hadn't had a top-five quarterback in eight years and, or nine years, and there have been plenty of top-five quarterbacks in that time. So, well done. Yeah, and it's, it's weird be, just because in college football, it's top-notch competition as well. You'd normally assume that teams would be willing to take a, take a risk on those SEC guys. just normally doesn't happen. Yeah, well, Aaron Murray oh. didn't project all that well. <laughs> all right, Carson. In that same 2005 series, the Spurs' big three got hacked a lot, enough to shoot 111 times from the line altogether. One of the big three shot under 50% from the line. Who was it? Okay, so here's my thought process for this. A lot of people argue, or not a lot of people, some fringe theorists argue that this should have been Manu's finals MVP because he had an incredible season, incredible series, and Duncan wasn't at his best. Obviously, that makes me lean towards Duncan. But then again, there's got to be some trickeration to this question. I don't think it's Manu because he had such a great series. Could be Tony, but he, I mean, Duncan was only like a 70% career free throw shooter. So if someone's going to dip below 50, I have to guess it's Duncan. Tony Parker, he went seven of 16 oh. from the line. And I believe in that game seven, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Manu went off and had a pretty good game. I believe Tony Parker went three of 11 from the field that game and had a negative plus minus in that game seven. It was just a, it was not a classic series from future finals MVP, Tony Parker. I had that one. I was so confident of it because I was like, if you're going to ask this question, it's not going to be Tim Duncan. And I know it's not Manu. And then I decided still that it was Tim Duncan. So (laughs) I like it. A couple of 2005 finals questions to kick things off. Logan. Definitely. 
The Broncos famously lost four Super Bowls before John Elway won the first in franchise history in the 1997 season. However, Elway was not their quarterback for their first Super Bowl loss in the 1977 season. Who was? Oh, man. Uh, Steve DeBerg. I don't know. You want me to just give you the answer? Yeah, I genuinely don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The answer is Craig Morton. They lost 27-10 to 10 to the Cowboys that year. He had a thrilling 14-touchdown-to-eight interception season. Craig Morton. A Craig wow. Morton question here on Trivia Time. Yeah, uh, Craig Morton's a name I've heard of before, but, man, you drift from, like, I think my, my cutoff point for quarterback knowledge is probably 1984. Just vague quarterback knowledge. Craig Morton yeah. probably doesn't make my cutoff point. Craig Morton, I believe, robbed of a Super Bowl MVP. All right, what do you got for me? All right, Oscar Robertson went number one overall in the 1960 NBA draft to the Cincinnati Royals out of Cincinnati. Who is the only other number one pick to be drafted from the University of Cincinnati? Oh, this is a good one. I'm trying to remember if it's a modern – I mean, it's not a super modern guy. I know that. But I'm trying to think if it's like since the '80s or before that. I'll give you a hint. It's it's since the '80s. It is since the '80s. Okay, so I feel like it's a. Uh, I thinking like no, it's not. Okay, I always start with the weird stretch where of '88 through '90, where it's Danny Manning, Purvis Ellison, and Derek Coleman for any random number one pick fact, because that's probably the worst three-year stretch. Even though Manning and Coleman were pretty good players, but that's Kansas, Louisville, uh, Syracuse. So it's not them. '90s. Who are some of the more, some of the less memorable guys? Joe Smith. Where did Joe Smith go to school? Hmm. I don't know. I'll, uh, I'll give you another hint. This guy's career lasted into, um, I believe, the 2010s. I believe this guy played into the 2010s. Okay. I believe – oh, I think I know. Is it Kenyon Martin? It is Kenyon Martin. All right. Carson banging out. Yeah, uh, I was looking through because draft questions to me are just so much fun to ask. And when I saw that there were only two guys out of Cincinnati, I was like, this will be a good one to, to – uh, to go Kenya Cincinnati. Yeah, that was a good question. I, uh, I for some reason, I almost feel like I would have thought that Kenyon Martin came out of high school just because he's in that era and he didn't have a particularly memorable college career, didn't play for a great college. But I kind of just had this feeling, and I was going through the other guys, and I knew it wasn't any of them. All right, Logan, who had the first four thousand passing yard season in NFL history, hmm. or AFL history, just football history? That's a good question. Um, this made me think. I mean, Marino obviously had the first 5,000-yard season, which is where you go to. Um, I'm going to go Colts quarterback. I feel like it's either Unitas or uh, – oh, who's the other guy um, in the Super Bowl? Wow, he won MVP that year. Oh, this is killing me. I feel like it's him. I don't know why. I'm just getting like a inkling. Um, the guy. I know, I know who you're thinking of. It's not it. Is he not the guy? You're thinking of Earl Morrell, right? I think I am thinking of Earl Morrell. I, I not, and that was not Earl. Not not old Earl. Um, 
you said AFL, and I know you, Carson, so I don't know if that's like if that's a trick to get me to name an AFL quarterback. No, no, no. Just leaving the options open. Okay. Um, it's got to be pretty early, and I'm thinking it happened in the early 80s to late 70s. Um, Namath was really prominent around this time, as was – you know what? I, I'm, just, I'm just getting a weird feeling. Um, I'm going to go with my guy, uh, Anderson, uh, just off on a whim. Joe Namath? Was Joe Namath the right answer? That was correct. Oh! Wait, what did you say? You cut out for a second. I literally said I'm thinking I'm thinking Joe Namath, and then I went, and then I went, no, but I'm probably going to go with my guy Kenny Anderson. Oh, painful! No, Joe Namath was correct. He did it a full twelve years before anyone else. In '67, he had 4,007 yards, 26 touchdowns to 28 interceptions. Next was Dan Fouts in 1979. Dan Fouts, personal villain here at Nerd Sesh. So, uh, yeah, Broadway Joe. He was hucking them up. Wasn't always completing them, but he was throwing them up there. All right, Carson. Man, that's disappointing. Yeah, you Staying were close with there. The draft. Staying with the draft, can you name all the number one overall picks in this century who didn't go to college? There are five. Yeah, this should be – I should do well with this. So, the obviously, one and done com- comes in in 2005. So, we have Yao in 2002. We have LeBron in 2003. We have Dwight in 2004. We have – oh, you almost got me to say Bogut. But Bogut did go to college. But we do have – Bargnani in 2005, so that's four of them. And then 2001 is Elton Brand. He went to he went to Duke, right? So that's got that one. One to go. Let's think more recently, I suppose. Just, just as your hint, Elton Brand was not the number one pick in 2001. Oh, Elton Brand was 99, right? Yeah. Okay. So 2001 was – so that's the year after Kmart. That is – who was that? I feel like I should remember this. And I think that this guy might end up being key considering that he was just – that you just corrected that. Or maybe you were just being civil. It's really tough to say. Oh, my – of course. 2001 is Kwame. So those are the five. So I believe you're still missing one guy. I'm still missing one? Well, I said Kwame, Bargnani, LeBron, okay, no, Dwight, no, no, and Yao Sorry. No, no, no. You got everybody. I just wanted to make sure that um, – so you said Bargnani, just to confirm, you said Bargnani was 05. I just wanted to correct. Bargnani was 06. Bogut was oh, 05. Oh, Bogut's 05. I get those two flipped sometimes. Okay, that was a great question. That was a great question. Very enjoyable. Kind of weird to think. I mean, so if you look at that stretch, it's five out of six years. You know, basically yeah. when the rule's starting to – before the rule comes into play, so you can kind of see why they did it. It was taking over the sport. Great question. All right, Logan, who was the last player to have 10 interceptions in a single season? Just 10 flat? Well, at least 10. 
I'm sorry, can you repeat the question you had to cut out? Who was the last player to have at least 10 interceptions in a single season? I'm sorry, this cannot be the complete. Who was the last guy to have 10 picks in a single year? Yes, that's the question. <laughs> Jameis Winston. No. <laughs> Def- <laughs> that's defensive player. <laughs> I was like, man, there's no way, dude. I was like, Jameis is 30 this <laughs> you were taking like 10 <laughs> second pauses to process the question i was like dude there's no way i was like a bunch of guys through 10 yeah. no though i should have said the last defensive player um fun fact i was playing uh you know my one of my favorite games espn nfl 2k5 great game pick it up uh, GameStop mm-hmm. selling it i'm pretty sure it's brand new um, there's a free safety for the Vikings in 2003 who had nine interceptions, and I had never heard of the guy. Really? And I was like, nine interceptions is an amazing season. I cannot believe it was some uh, Brian Russell, I think his name was. Just, uh, just a fun fact that that really surprised me. Um, Not to be confused with the some- Brian Russell that got crossed by MJ to end his career. No, not to be confused. Yeah. Uh, so, my thought process here. Uh, guys who were ball hawks. Um, Charles Woodson had some really good years. Uh, so, he is in my mind. The guy that I'm really thinking about right now is Darren Sharper. And I feel like Sharper was so good for so long. I feel like he went over 10 interceptions once. There's also Ed Reed and Palomalu, but I don't think they had prolific years. And you know what? I know a guy for sure. The um, uh, I used to stick him on those old red. I know he went over 10. That was back in the 70s, so I hope. I'm going to go recent. I'm going to go Darren Sharper. It just I have this weird feeling. Darren Sharper is a painfully close guest because he had nine three times, never got to 10. You have the right era, though. It's not – I believe you were thinking of Lester Hayes, who has the single-season record with – what do you have, 14? But it is, not- it is a 2000s player. Also – Actually, never mind. I won't say that because that's you haven't officially guessed yet. Two thousands. Let's see. Um, Shutdown guys in, in the two thousands. Well, Revis and Sherman, you can almost count out because they never had those prolific years. Also, corners for some reason just don't traditionally dominate like that. Um, traditionally, any- yes, but there may be an exception in this case. Dominant corners. Um, Nadni Asamoa is the guy I'm getting back to because he was really good for. Those years, who early two thousands? I feel like Champ Bailey. Champ Bailey's my answer. Great guess. He did it one year before this guy did it. Man, yeah. Who is it? It's Antonio Cromartie in two thousand seven. Asante Samuel and Champ Bailey both did it in 06. And just to give some credit to some of your other guesses, which were incredibly close, Ed Reed had nine twice. Woodson, I think, was up there a couple times. So. Cromartie, kind of a weird guy to have that record, but a little bit strange that it hasn't happened in so long also. It's weird. Those, those Chargers guys kind of – I don't know. I felt like the Chargers have been really good at drafting defensive backs for a while, and they've just yeah. subbed in young defensive back after young defensive back, and it really started with Cromartie back then. Yeah. All right, what do you got for me? Okay, Carson. I think this is probably one of my – this may be extremely easy for you. It may be hard, but this is one of my favorite questions to research for. So. James Harden and Russell Westbrook infamously had the most turnovers in a single season in 2016 to 2017. Mm-hmm. What Hall of Famer held the record for over 40 years until they broke it? Ah, uh, George McGinnis. 
Very easy there for Carson. Um, I love that 19, question, though. 74 to 75 at 422. And then when I'm looking at this, he has the second and third most turnovers in a single season. Yeah. With, with 401 and 72 to 73 and 393 and 73 to 74. He was a turnover machine, and I remember vividly in Bill Simmons' book of basketball, one of the records he said would never be broken. I forget what it was. It was the something-something 400 club with the 400 turnovers being the third part, and he seemed pretty confident no one was ever going to top that. And then within a single season, the two former OKC guards demolished it, which was pretty fun to see. But, yeah, George McGinnis. That's kind of always tainted my view of him just because that's his record. His record is just being the turnover machine. And, and I'm, I'm thinking for most casual fans who don't know who George McGinnis is, if you're just looking through the stats, he's just a guy who turned the ball over a lot. Yeah. Well, it's also kind of unfortunate because he's playing right when they started tracking turnovers. So it may have been in the 60s when they're playing at that insane tempo some guys might have had crazy turnovers numbers. Like some guys might have averaged six, seven turnovers a game <laughs> and we'll just never know. Same way that Wilt and Bill Russell might have averaged eight blocks a game. We'll just never know because those idiots couldn't figure out that those were good stats to have. Fools. Yeah. All right. Great question. I like that one a lot because I knew it. All right, Logan. A lot was made out of how in this year's draft, Ohio State at one point had had each of the top three picks on their roster, but that doesn't really count because of Joe Burrow. And that's actually never happened. No single school has ever had the top three picks in the same draft. But one school had three of the top four players taken in the draft. Who was it as far as what school and what year was it? Um, Ohio State, 1994. Not Ohio State, 1994. Uh, only reason I said that was because I just watched a, uh, a documentary on the 1994 NFL draft, and I remember Dan Wilkinson held him. It wasn't 94. Um, this is a good question. Um, it's very topical as well, so uh, credit to you, Carson. Thanks. I'm a topical um, guy. <laughs> no, so uh, Dan Wilkinson was taken number one overall in, in 94. Uh, I do remember that. So it's actually very disappointing because I was kind of confident in that. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Other years. So three of the first four guys were from the same school. Yes. Oh, I just got a virus alert on my computer from being on Pro Football Reference. I've heard many people um, are along this time have been getting a virus alert. Oh, my goodness. Was that, was that cold? You didn't like that one? That was, that was a little rough. No, I like that one. But the, the concept <laughs> of a virus alert is kind of funny. Um, man, this is a really tough question, Carson. It's making me think. So, so good, good on you. Thank you. Um, 1995 USC. 1995 USC is incorrect. Man, how far back can you can you give me a an error? Is it past 84? It is well past 84. Gotcha. Um, as in I'm as gonna, in more recent, not as yeah, in older. Uh, I'm gonna think recent here, and I'm gonna just go through um, my top five draft knowledge. It's funny, Carson, that you that you brought the draft into this. I know it's traditional because it's trivia time, but man, I've been watching a lot of them on YouTube recently. They're, they're really good content to watch. They're fast, and it's just mm -hmm. running back the old draft classes. They're fun to watch. Um, yeah. Okay, my final guess, if I get this wrong, I just want you to tell me. I'm, I'm going to go 2011. No, I'm not. That's a terrible answer because <laughs> what, that's actually a terrible answer. That's dumb. 
I'm just going. Why would I answer that? The only guy I know from their concrete is Von Miller. I was going to say 2011 Texas A&M because Texas A&M was good at football. It actually, mm. it's probably Alabama if, if if I'm being realistic because they've been so consistent in producing first round talent. And I'm thinking of a year where they were like heavy on D tackle or D ends because Bama D tackles and D ends just somehow always, and they're good. They just always sprout to the top of the boards. Mm-hmm. Um, where did Jadavian Clowney? Jadavian Clowney was South Carolina. Um, okay, I'm gonna go. Man, this is a really tough question. I just don't want to get it wrong. 20, uh, 2011 Texas A&M. It is not 2011 Texas A&M. It is 2010 Oklahoma, where you had Bradford going can I, number can I one. Get it? Can I get it? Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to try. So you get Bradford one. Um, did he have an O-tackle go behind him? He Well, from his team, he did. Not Trent immediately. Williams. Trent Williams at number four. To the Redskins. Um, all right, that's all I got. I got Trent Williams and Bradford. And Gerald McCoy to the Bucks at number three. So this this has always just kind of stood out to me whenever I'm looking for trivia questions, scrolling through all the drafts, because you just you don't see it. The last time anyone got three out of the top five was USC in 77. Then Michigan State got three of the top five in 67. Bama and Notre Dame did it in the 40s. But if you're looking at modern – I mean, it's they're the only – even back in the day where there were like three schools producing great football players, they still never got three out of the top four. And Oklahoma did in, you know, an era stacked with uh, talented football players from all over the place. You know, it's strange that you point that out. And I think that, I think back in the day, I think scouts did more stuff regionally. And when, yeah. what I mean by that is you'd see a lot more guys from smaller schools going just because Travel was so different, and you actually mm-hmm. scouted guys who were born in your region. Yeah, Carson, I will give you props. That was a very good question. You got me, man. Thank you. Okay. Who led the NBA in assists per game and total assists in the 1997-1998 season? Okay. So, obviously, the first thought, there's a few. John Stockton, Mark Jackson, Tim Hard no, not Tim Hardaway. Let's let's be realistic here. Not Tim Hardaway. I'm starting to think it's probably Mark Jackson. I don't think that's too late for him. And I think that this is a year where Stockton only averaged like 10 and a half or something only. But you know, at his peak, he's at like 14, and he's getting a little older now. Other really good late 90s pass first point guards. Well, Jason Kidd has to be considered. He has to be considered, hmm, anyone else? Avery Johnson? I doubt that he led the league. I've, uh, I've got the top ten list here. You've named four out of the top ten, but you're still missing the number one guy. Oh, interesting. Very, very interesting. I thought it was going to – I was going to go Mark Jackson. So, let's think. Who else is there? This one surprised me. That's why I asked it. Was he on a quite the bad team? I think I mean, I don't think they were horrendous. Okay. Okay. They were good in this era. They were good around this time period. Yeah, I'm trying to think of random guys who put up numbers. It's always tougher to remember guys who put up big assist numbers than big scoring numbers. Hmm. 
What team could it be? Man, I'm really struggling. I might have to. All right, I'm going to give up. Who is it? Maybe I. Uh... No, no, no. The question's still the same. I just thought he was on a different team. Um, for the Washington Wizards, they went 42 and 40 that season. It was Hot Rod Strickland with 10 and a half and 801 total assists that season. Wow. Jason Kidd finished in second, who you named. Mark Jackson was third. Fourth was Stefan Marbury. Fifth mm. was John Stockton, followed by Tim Hardaway, Gary Payton, Brevin Knight, Damon Stoudemire, and Sam Cassell. Wow, Brevin Knight in the top 10. Yeah. Rod Strickland was really pretty good for a while and one of the great finishers of all time. And I think like guys like Kyrie talk about how he's heavily influenced them in that sense. I would not have gotten that one, though. Great question. I enjoyed that a lot, and I enjoyed – how, as always, here on Nerdsesh, painfully close, just missed, the, just missed the mark. Okay. Who has the most passing yards in a single postseason in NFL history? Oh, I, I like this question. Um, so, thinking about this logically for an entire postseason, there has to be a guy who played in the wild card and then got to the Super Bowl. Um, and the most prominent guy off that is – Eli Manning, and he's done it twice. So I'm going to go Eli Manning in, let's say, 2000. Let's go 2011, Eli Manning. Boom! Right off the dome. It is Eli Manning in 2011, 1,219 yards, and you absolutely had the right idea as well because then, obviously, that extra game gives you an advantage. You go Kurt Warner in 08, then you go Flacco in 2012, and what's incredible is Brady has the next two from postseasons where he didn't play in a wild card wow. game. So, as always, just bursting the record book. In, bro, whoa, record book. In. The record book <laughs> open is Tom Brady. Well done Flacco on that one. Is, thank you, but Flacco is third? Yeah. I hate that. I hate that. Yeah, well, he's, you know, it's really one of the great postseason runs ever. I mean, he balled out. And, man, dude, it, it surprised me, too, because Brady – it was a sneaky favorite because of his performance against the Falcons. What did he have, like 500? No, against the Eagles, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Like 500 yards that game. He did. He did. Okay, Carson, I like that question. With Thank the, you. The, the This is this – is, I've, I've got two pretty tough ones coming up for you, Carson. I, this, is a, this is a tough one. Good. With I've been too hot today. Dance, with the, last, with the last dance going on, I, I think, in my opinion, the greatest documentary I've, I've ever seen. I wanted to ask a Bulls-themed question from that time period. So, Jordan retired briefly for the 93-94 season and part of the 94-95 season. Who did the Bulls spend their first-round picks on in 93 and 94 on in his absence? Oh, I like that question. I like that question, and I'm trying to think – so who stuck around on that team? Wait, did they? Was BJ Armstrong one of them, or was BJ already in the league before the Bulls? I think BJ was already on the league. These are two very obscure guys. I'm going to look 100% to see if they were on a uh, title team. So the first guy who was drafted in 93 ended up playing for. Ten different teams. So, yeah, good luck with that one. Um, 93, 10 teams? Whew. And the guy that they drafted in 94 um, would end up getting a championship ring with the 97, 98 team. 
Okay. First of all, I don't know why I said BJ because BJ was on the first three teams. So that was kind of weird. Um, I'm just trying to think. I don't know. I don't know much about Luke Longley's background pre-Bulls. So I'm going to guess Luke Longley. Uh, Luke Longley is neither of I'm telling you, this is a tough one, Carson. Yeah, because also Luke Longley, it's not like he played into the 2000s, so he was probably playing in the 80s. Hmm. Hmm. Um, if one of them was on the team, though, I'm trying to think. Sometimes I get my, my knowledge skewed because of the book, The Jordan Rules. Focuses so much on the 90-91 season, and then mm-hmm. sometimes it can be tough to – Tough to remember the, the differences between a couple of the two teams because I'm thinking about whatever that guy's name is, Stacy, whatever. He was on those original teams. Stacy Ogman? No, not Stacy Ogman. Maybe I have his name wrong. I don't remember. Who cares? Um, uh, so, 93 uh, was a guy out of Cincinnati. He went with the 25th pick again. Played for 10 teams. Not really, you wouldn't really remember him with the Bulls. 94, a uh, guy was out of Providence with the 21st pick. All right. I'm going to. Throw the towel in on this one. Enlighten me. So, 1993 was Corey Blunt. He ended up playing for 10 teams and stuck around in Chicago for a brief two seasons. And then Dickie Simpkins um, out of Providence. I actually should have gotten that one. The Dickie Simpkins, man. I should have gotten that one just by going through all the players on the 97-98 roster. Corey Blunt, tough pick. Not great great work by Jerry Krause. Yeah. All right. Well, at least I um, at least I guessed something. Okay, Logan. <laughs> Three players in NFL history have a passer rating of at least 130 in four straight games. Can you name them? Hmm. Guys who could either guys. How many quarterbacks? There's three of them. Three. Um. Guys who were just really consistent, obviously off my bat, I would throw in Brady Breeze and Man- Peyton Manning here. Um, although Eli, as we've said, get out in the postseason. Um, 130, that is blazing, though. Mm-hmm. Big Ben had those two really big games where he threw six touchdowns uh, back-to-back against, I believe it was the Colts and the Ravens, if I'm not mistaken. He would have been over 130 those two games, and if he got out a third game, Big Ben is also – in my uh, on the top of my head. So I'm going to go Peyton Manning as an official answer for one of them. Peyton Manning is not one of them. Ow. Really surprising. Just Drew Brees. Drew Brees is not one of them. Ow. Okay. Are the, are the three guys, are they on the same level, like talent-wise, or do they just get hot? One of them you will not get, so don't worry about him. One of them – really just got hot and also kind of made it happen by just not making mistakes. The other one maybe isn't quite on that level, but is the closest thing to it. Okay. I feel like you tipped your cap a bit to me on that one. Is it Nick Foles? It's not Nick Foles. That's a good line of thinking though. Brady. Not Brady. Tough one. Not making mistakes. I'm thinking of guys who had long streaks of not throwing interceptions. Alex Smith, maybe. Good guess, but no. It is a tough one. I'm going to throw in my final guess as a uh, nerd such favorite, and he's always he's around for so long. Vinny Testaverde. <laughs> Not Vinny Testaverde. 
I'm going to give you one last hint because I think you can get it. They're two very recent guys. One of them is way up there on the all-time passer rating list, and the other one did this very recently. Mm. Teddy Bridgewater. Not Teddy Bridgewater. No, no, it's a good line of thinking. Not Teddy Bridgewater, though. Very recently. Like last season recent? Maybe. Man, Drew Locke, he really went ham. Um, <laughs> last season. Uh, you know what? You're a Bills fan, Carson. Is it? Is it Josh Allen? Oh, how I wish it was. It's not. <laughs> so, would you like me to tell you? Just, just give it to me. From this past season, Ryan Tannehill, 75.6% completion, nine touchdowns to one interception over those four games. The other modern guy, Russell Wilson, in 2015, this is an insane four games. 16 touchdowns to no interceptions, 75-plus percent completion. And then John Hadle back in 73, 73% completion, eight touchdowns to zero interceptions. My jaw just hit the floor when you said Ryan Tannehill. Yep. Well, he led the league in passer rating this past season. Yeah, good point. Wow, Ryan Tannehill. It's just he was he was a bum for so long in Miami. It's just weird yeah. to think of him as an actual decent quarterback. Yeah, well, it's a flaw. It's a flawed metric. It favors the game managers, but good for him. Okay, so I told you that we we had a tough stretch. I think this is the toughest question, and then we're gonna get back to more statistical questions. I, I right. suppose. I mean. This one's just a little obscure. What okay. NBA player managed to play 85 games in a single season in the 2003-2004 season? It's got to be Rasheed Wallace. It is not Sheed. Oh, my God. I just thought because he played for three different teams. It's in that 03-04 season. Okay. Okay, well, I know that it's that era now, but I, I'm trying to think back because I know that they're – did Walt Bellamy play 84 games in a season? Someone did back in the day. 03-04, not Sheed. Did anyone else relevant get involved in those Sheed deals? 85 games. Hmm. Sheed played 68. I'm looking at it here, and let's see. Um, yes, it is a it is a guy that I mean, from the teams he played on, it's a guy that had to be involved in the deal. Okay. So, could be a hawk. Were there any decent hawks back then? You see, I don't remember him. I am gonna. I don't remember him with um, either of the teams that she played for. I remember this guy with a different squad. Okay. Hmm. This one. This one is difficult, as advertised. I'm gonna go. Ben Gordon. I, I don't know. Ben, Who is ben it? Gordon's an interesting guest. It's Sharif Abdurrahim. He, uh, oh, he played, my God. He played 53 with Atlanta and then 32 with Portland. That's, that is a bad look for me because if you're going to think of a Hawks guy from that era, it's Sharif Abdurrahim, former Cal Bear, former Vancouver Grizzly, big numbers guy. Oh, a Cal Bear. Yeah, I remember him with Vancouver. A cow yeah. bear. I know you're kicking yourself with the cow association. Man. I am. 85 games. Good for Sharif. Certainly getting his minutes in there. And that was his <laughs> last. That was his last good season, right? Because once he moved on from Atlanta, he was kind of done. Yeah, I mean, once you ball out 85 games in a single year, you're <laughs> yeah. kind of fried. Yeah, there's a reason that most people limit themselves to 82. 
All right, good question. Logan, which franchise has the most consecutive 10 loss seasons? <laughs> um, the Detroit Lions. Not the Lions. The Browns. Not the Browns. Let's see. Um, so there's three teams that, that are on the top of my brain now after that one. Um, we've got the Saints because obviously they were the Aints for so long. And mm. then the next team that I'm thinking of are the Tampa Bay Creamsicle Buccaneers. I think it's one of those teams. My official answer would be probably the Saints because they sucked with Archie Manning. It is not the Saints. It is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 12 straight 10 loss wow. seasons from 83 to 94. They had a 51 and 140 record, and they broke it dramatically in 1995 by going 7 and 9. The second longest streak is the Raiders with seven straight from 03 through 09. So the Bucs are kind of in a class of their wow. own there. And it's not even right when they started because they actually had like a playoff year in like their fourth year, and then they went back to being that bad. Well, it's funny because as I mentioned when looking over the you know expansion draft around that time with the Panthers, Texans, and Jaguars, they were vehemently against starting out like the Buccaneers did because they saw how poor of a franchise they were. And you know they paid to get extra draft capital. They paid in to get uh, certain incentives towards free agents and you know, different, uh, a different style of expansion draft. So they didn't stink right out of the gates. And I mean, the Panthers were in the Super Bowl immediately afterwards with the Pats, not immediately, but you get what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And the Jaguars were in a couple AFC championship games against the, uh, the Broncos, I believe. Yep. What former, now, now this is a guy that you're, uh, I think you're going to get this right off the bat. All right. What former MVP and hall of famer holds the record for offensive rebounds in a single season? Okay. Moses Malone. Yeah, I mean, off the bat, pretty easy. And I know that you've been, uh, <laughs> you've been on Twitter uh, talking about Moses Malone. <laughs> I have. I mean, what's uh, Malone, not to love about Moses? <laughs> I mean, he's out. He's out of Virginia, so you know he's close to my heart. Uh, yeah, I, I'm very tight with Moses. Uh, in yeah. 78, 79, he had 587, and he's also second and third on the list. And then the next season, 79 to 80. 573, wow. and then the year after that, 81, 82, 558. Just on the offensive boards. I mean, he was a beast. He was a beast. His kind of signature move is missing a shot. Some people have alleged on purpose and just knowing he can get the rebound and putting it back in, which if he did do, that's pretty funny. But, yeah, one of the all-time great rebounders, and I think in a tier with only Rodman, Barkley, and then you go back to obviously the 260s guys that are – totally in a class of their own as far as total rebounds because of the pace with Russell and Chamberlain, but Moses is an incredible rebounder. I like that question. I'm going to give one that's close to home to you, Logan. The Steelers have selected an ASU player in the first round once in their history. Who was it? Who? Um, wow. Good question. Um, I know most of the guys that we've taken in the first round, um, I think I could probably name back to 2005 who we've taken in the first round if we had a pick that year. So I'm going to guess it's before because – no, 2003 even. Palomalu, Big Ben. Palomalu's at USC. Big Ben's out of uh, Miami, Ohio. 05, we took Heath out of uh, Virginia. 06, we probably took an O-lineman. So I'm hoping – I actually can't remember 06. I'm hoping it's not an O-lineman. Um, 
I'm hoping it's not at ASU. I don't know why I would hope against us taking an all offensive lineman in the past. That doesn't make any sense. It does make um, sense. We took Santonio. Santonio did not go to ASU. I'll tell you right, right now. now. Just, Look back further. Um. All right, now I'm just thinking about ASU guys who were on our roster. Is there anybody that I can remember? Um, where did Rod Woodson go to school? And did we draft Rod? He played for a lot of different teams. ASU. All I'm thinking of is Jake Plummer right now. Not Jake Plummer. Yeah, I know we didn't change. It would have been sweet. Jake Plummer was a beast for a little bit. Um, who did we take over Marino? We took a defensive tackle who got paralyzed in a car accident. Gabe, uh, I don't think it's him though. I don't. I don't know where he went to school. I will tell you, it is a quarterback. A quarterback at ASU. Yes. Man, Bubby Brister. <laughs> Not uh, Bubby Brister. We've got Bubby Brister. No, Bubby was undrafted. I don't know why I'm saying that. My dad was talking to me. He said, uh, first thing he ever said about Duck Hodges, he reminds me of Bubby Brister because they were both short, fat, kind of fast guys who were undrafted. Very um, flattering comparison. Yeah, definitely. Neil O'Donnell. I hope Neil O'Donnell didn't go to ASU because I hate Neil O'Donnell with a lot of passion. Not Neil O'Donnell. Um, let's name a random 80s quarterback and see what happens. Uh, we've got Mike Tomzak again. I'm going to go Mike Tomzak. No, Tomzak wasn't – I don't think he was a first-round pick. That doesn't make any sense. Mike, Malo- Mike Malone is my pick. Mar- Mark Malone. Mark Malone. Mark Malone is correct. He went 28th in 1980 when the Steelers were the reigning Super Bowl champs. As a starter, 21-24 and 24 for the Steelers with 54 touchdowns to 68 interceptions. The only ASU representative out of the first round in Steeler history and our second consecutive, Malone. Yeah, wow. And I tried to go uh, Denver Nuggets head coach out there, but, you know, <laughs> you <laughs> I pulled it down. You shouted out Mike Malone of the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> I had to figure out his name. Just those guys, they all kind of run together if, yeah. I don't I don't know, man. When you have such a prolific history like okay. the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right, enough. 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 <laughs> okay, Carson. This is probably one of my favorite questions that I wrote. Um, who led the Supersonics in rebounding in their final year of existence? Ooh. Interesting. So I think back to those teams. Richard Lewis, was he still on the team in 0708? He might not have been he might have been onto the magic by then uh <laughs> i always think of nick collison because he was on those teams forever i'm gonna say nick collison nick collison is the correct answer he had a Woo! 9.4 in that season and followed by kurt thomas who averaged 8.8 and chris wilcox who averaged seven so bang right on the head all right logan one player in nfl history holds the record for fewest games to 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, 8,000, 9,000, 10,000, and 11,000 rushing yards. Who is it? Jim Brown. Not Jim Brown. 11,000, man. Homie was grinding. Yeah. Um, I mean, it has to be a dominant running back, especially 11,000 yards from a running back. That's not all now that's a long time in the league. It's at least I mean, if you're balling out and getting fifteen hundred every year, that's still about seven. So let's see. Um, I mean I'm thinking Ladanian Tomlinson's on my list, Priest Holmes, uh guys who are because man, Priest 
no, no, Priest Holmes didn't. He, he was only good for that short period. Larry Johnson, dominant running backs. Ladanian, I feel like, is a solid answer, as is Barry. I think Ladanian got around 10K, though. Maybe Emmett Smith a little in there. I'm going to go Ladanian, though. That's my guess. It is not Ladanian. In mm. fact, it is not anyone that you have mentioned thus far. Curtis Martin. It is not Curtis Martin. Man, I thought Curtis Martin was a good guess. Wow. None of these guys. Uh, Eric Dickerson. Correct. It's Eric Dickerson. Reached 11,000 yards in 103 games. Led the league in average yards per game in five of his first six seasons. And you were mentioning, you know, if you're doing like 1,500 yards a year, it's still seven seasons, basically. He did it in like six and a half because he's averaging over 1,500 yards a year, basically. He was ridiculous at the start of his career. Yeah, I after you said that it was none of those guys, I started thinking about guys who had a 2,000-yard season really early in their career. So it kind of narrowed it down to Dickerson and Chris Johnson. I was like, Chris Johnson really had one good year. So, yeah, yeah good question. Man, out of all guys, it just surprises me. I know. Well, this, the wonderful. numbers from the start of his career are so ridiculous. It's like him and Earl Campbell where you just look at their numbers and you can't even believe it. Yeah. All right, Carson. Kobe Bryant. And John Havlicek are known for being the kings of missed shots in the NBA. Who is third on the list for career missed shots? Hmm. Well, I was going to say Michael Jordan, but shot about 50% for his career, which is pretty darn good. Obviously, the way that you have to go with this is look at the all time scoring leaders. And, uh, ooh. Well, Kareem's the number one scorer of all time, but he was pretty darn efficient. I don't think it's him. Carl Malone, I just – I know he's probably above 50%, but he played so long that he's got to be up there. If you look at the rest of the top ten, like I don't think – it's not Dirk, for example. It's not Elvin Hayes. It's not Shaq. So I'm going to go – uh, slow down there, Sport. I think it might be one of the guys uh, you've named. Might be one of the guys that I said it wasn't? Yeah. Is it <laughs> Is it Dirk? It's not Dirk. Dirk is fifth. Is it Elvin Hayes? It's Elvin Hayes out of all God. people. What? Uh, you named Carl uh, Malone, who was fourth. Dirk is fifth. Kareem is sixth. MJ is seventh followed by LeBron at 8, Vince Carter at 9, Dominique Wilkins at 10, Carmelo at 11, and Rick Barry at 12. Yeah, Elvin Hayes missed 13,926 shots in his career in his third. I was kind of making a face when you said Vince Carter. He's way too high on that list considering his career accomplishments in comparison to the other guys and his career totals. It's a lot of missed shots for Vince. Wow. So I would have bet my bottom dollar it was going to be Carl Malone. And my bottom dollar would have been lost for no good reason. Great question. Okay, Logan, who led the league in interceptions thrown the most <laughs> times in NFL history? Um, Brett Favre. Not Brett Favre. That's surprising just because of, I don't know how much a gunslinger he was. Big Ben led the league in what this the year he led in passing yards. He only threw 18, and I don't think Big Ben's ever led it before. Um, Eli Manning said a couple years. You know what? I, I know what guy I'm going with. I'm going with Vinny Testaverde. The answer is Vinny Testaverde. Four 
times. 1988 with 35 interceptions, 89 with 22, 2000 with 25, 2004 with 20. So 16 years apart, he leads the league in interceptions. And I still think that 88 season is the worst in history where he has, what is it, 10 touchdowns to 35 interceptions or 12 to 35 or something. It's not good. I mean, when – man, I really just wonder sometimes if that story is true about him being colorblind. Oh, I'm convinced that it was. (laughs) Almost had to be. Bucks quarterbacks that were selected first overall cannot see. No, no, they're just blind. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Carson, I expect you to go with this one fairly easily because you have flexed this knowledge in the past, but we're, we're going to put it to the test. Okay. Who, who was the finals MVP in 1976? The JoJo White. Man, right, right off the bat, uh, Celtics versus Suns in the NBA finals, and JoJo White that season led the playoffs in scoring. Wow, right off the bat, man. The 70s Celtics, you could argue, are the most underrated era of any team in league history because 74 they win, 75 they win in the 60s games, but they don't win the title, 76 they win, 73, one of those years they have like 68 wins or something, maybe not 68, but high 60s. So yeah, I like that question, but really, finals MVPs, child's play. (laughs) Okay, Logan. Four current NFL franchises have never picked first overall in the draft. Who are they? Mm, I like this. So, bear with me here. I'm going to go through the divisions really quick. So, I think the Baltimore Ravens are one that have never picked first. Um, going through the Steelers, the Browns have picked first, the Bengals have picked first, the Steelers have picked first. Um, so, the Ravens are, a, are one of my picks. Uh, Ravens because, are correct. Let's see. Team. The Texans were recent, but they've picked first. The Panthers have picked first. Have the, ja- the Jacksonville Jaguars have never picked first, have they? That's correct. So the Jags haven't. Colts have. Texans have. Titans. Titans. Have the Titans picked first? Oilers and Titans. Uh, when was Vince? Vince Young wasn't taken first. Warren Moon. Are the Titans one? The Titans are not one. Okay, the Titans are not one. Um, next division. Chiefs have picked first. Broncos have picked first. No. Ooh, slow down. Because the Broncos traded for Elway. The Baltimore Colts picked first, and they took Elway, and the Broncos traded. Uh, are the Denver Broncos one? Very good, Logan. The Denver Broncos are one. Okay. Um, Broncos, Chiefs, Raiders. Raiders picked Jamarcus Russell. And Broncos, Raiders, Chiefs, and the Chargers. Chargers pick first. They picked Eli. Um, don't get caught up in that. So, NFC, right? If I named all the AFC. No, I have not. Bills. The Bills pick first? I don't remember the Bills ever picking first. The Pats took Drew Bledsoe one out of Washington State. Jets. Man. You got me thinking back to, like, the 80s right now, Carson. I'm going. Yeah. I'm this going old school right now. You're yeah, the out. Jets pick first because no, whoa, where did where did Keyshawn Keyshawn got drafted by the Bucks? He didn't get drafted by the Jets. Okay, I, I don't think the was OJ a first pick. I'm not gonna go Bills. I'm not gonna go Bills. That just doesn't seem right. I don't. It's not the Bills, right? The Bills aren't the fourth not team. The Bills. It's not the Bills. Don't get caught up on the. I'm not trying to get caught up on the Bills, man. Carson's been caught up on the Bills for a minute. Yeah. I sure have. Oh, the Packers. I don't think the Packers ever picked first. Packers have picked first. Who? Who did they take? I want to know. 
Um, great question. Todd Marinovich, who did they take? Uh, the Chicago Bears were really bad at one point, and they lost a coin toss. Did you know that, Carson? That's how they decided it. The, the Chicago Bears lost out on Terry Bradshaw because they lost a coin toss. That's how they used to do it in the NBA, too, before 84. That's how the Kareem pick was decided. It was by a coin toss. So that's pretty devastating at that point. You lose out on the greatest basketball talent ever on a coin toss. So it looks like you had a good train of thought with the Packers because they sure haven't picked first in a long time. But also what you have to remember is they've been around since 1920. So they took Paul Horning in 57, Randy Duff yeah. in 59. So not the Packers. Um, I don't even – I can't remember a Vikings pick. The Lions took Matt Stafford, one. Bucks, it's not. Saints, it's not. Falcons, Falcons took – no, 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 no. That was a – no, the Falcons did take Vic first, but that wasn't their pick. That was the Chargers pick that they traded. So I still think that counts as the Falcons drafting one, though. Um, yeah, funnily enough, Vic and Ladanian Tomlinson were pretty much traded for each other. Hmm. That's interesting to think about. That is um, Falcons, Saints, Panthers, Panthers. Panthers have taken one. Redskins, Eagles, Giants. I don't know. Who's the fourth team? Just tell me. The Seattle Seahawks. Wow, that's interesting, especially with how bad they used to be. Yep, never picked first overall. So you got three of them pretty quickly. Well done. And, uh, you know, it was a tough question, so you performed well. Thank you, sir. I, I appreciate it. All right, Carson Breber. LeBron won Rookie of the Year after a, you know, historic rookie campaign. Mm -hmm. Who won the award the season after? The season after? Well... It was the great Emeka Okafor. Yeah, just when I was looking through basketball reference, what a – like, I, I, this was the draft class with um, with Chris Paul, correct? No, that was the year after. That was the year after. Was this the draft with Dwight Howard? This is Dwight, and it was a huge debate of Dwight versus Omeka at that uh, – Omeka at that time, and a lot of people were on the Omeka side. So, shows you how weird history I mean, can be. 15 points, 11 boards, and nearly two blocks. And then he never did – it's like Tyreek Evans. Now, I'm not going to yeah. bash Tyreek too hard because he was pretty good in uh, Memphis. Yeah. Um, was it last year? But Okafor never captured – I mean, he, he was a still decent rebounder, but the scoring numbers dipped after that and his block totals dipped after that. He just wasn't the same player. Yeah, no, he really wasn't. And it's pretty funny to think about then what Dwight blossomed into. Okay, Logan, who was the Jets quarterback – for their winningest season in franchise history? Uh, Richard Todd. Not Richard Todd. <laughs> I just threw out the first Jets quarterback I thought of. Um, winningest quarterback. So Chad Pennington is an interesting one just because he was in New York for a minute um, early on. Oh, Neil O'Donnell is a Jets. I hope it's not Neil O'Donnell just because I hate him. Uh, there's Joe Namath, obviously. They want Mark Sanchez. Is it Mark Sanchez? Not Mark Sanchez. Good guess because a couple of AFC championship games, but not Mark Sanchez. Joe Namath. I mean, that seems like the – Not Joe Namath. It's not Namath. Um, Namath, Todd, Sanchez, really the three quarterbacks I go to, and I'm thinking, God, I really hope it's not. I'm not going to guess Neil O'Donnell because I don't want it to be Neil O'Donnell. Um, other Jets quarterbacks to uh, exist. Sam Darnold, Geno Smith, <laughs> uh, Josh McCown. Good picks. Yeah, no, they're all winners, really. Uh, Brett Favre was, was there for a minute. 
Uh, fine. Let's go Chad Pennington. Not Chad Pennington. Okay. Uh, Boomer Esiason. Not Boomer. Okay, Boomer. Um, <laughs> or I, I don't know. Who is it? Vinny Testaverde. No way. You did In not. In 1998. <laughs> Logan, you're going to want to pay attention for this. In 1998, he was 12-1 with a 29-7 touchdown-to-interception ratio. They were 0-3 without him that season, so they only finished with 12 wins, but that's still a franchise record. He is also the Jets' all-time leader in winning percentage at 35-26 and 26 with a 57.4% winning percentage. So if you ask most people who the greatest Jets quarterback ever is, they'll say, oh, Joe Namath. No way. It's Vinny Testaverde. Yeah, no, I mean, Vinny brought countless Super Bowls to the city of New York. I, I yeah. think that – man, how do we manage to bring a Vinny Testaverde so often, Carson? It's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, a, he's an interesting guy. He's just fun to, just to do a Vinny Testaverde pod. His lows versus his highs, he has as wide a range as anyone in NFL history. Because he played for 40 like, years. <laughs> the, the, the stupidest one to me is when he was like 41 and appeared in a playoff game for the Patriots. I know. Why it's, are you here, it's Vinny? It's Go crazy. home. It's crazy. We could do – an hour on Vinny Testaverde. We could do a day on Vinny Testaverde. Yeah. All right, what okay, do you got? Carson. This one's, this one's tough just because it's not a guy I associated with ever being a talented basketball player ever. Okay. Who led the NBA in total rebounds in the 2012-2013 season? I've got the top ten here for you in case you're bouncing around. Total rebounds. A great rebounder. Oh, I feel like I should really remember this. This is before Drummond started to run things. I just had a weird thought about Zaza Pachulia. I really don't think it's Zaza Pachulia. No, Zaza is not in the top ten. Robin Lopez? Robin Lopez was a very good rebounder for a while. I don't think it's him. Early 2010s. So this is right after Bynum. And you said it's someone that you never considered a good basketball player. So it's not... Kendrick Perkins, I don't think. A little too late for him, probably. Not DeAndre Jordan. That's actually slightly surprising. Maybe this was a year or two before he took over. Um, hmm. Let's just look around the league for guys who grabbed a lot of rebounds. I'm, kind I'm of- telling you, this guy I just associated with just being a slow lumbering center on the court. I did not know he was ever a talented rebounder. It really surprised me that he was here. Is it Marcin Gortat? Is not Marcin Gortat. Hmm. I really – who could be that bad and yet that good at rebounding? I mean, there are guys. Oh, believe me, there are guys. But I'm, I'm kind of struggling right now. Let's just look around the league. Andrew Bogut, I – feel like would be a contender, but I don't think that you would speak so disparagingly of him. It's not Dwight because Dwight was Yeah, yeah Dwight was runner up this year. He was runner up. Okay. Let's look around the league. Because I really want to get this. And I know that there are some random guys that average big rebounding numbers in this era. Portland. No, it's too late for like Marcus Camby. 
Zach Randolph, you wouldn't speak so disparagingly of. Um, I know Omer Oshik put up weirdly, weirdly big rebounding numbers a couple of years. But could he really have? Well, you know, I've guessed half the league. So Omer Oshik. Omer Oshik is the correct answer. No way. What did he average? You're a different beast. What did he, he average? didn't average? It was total rebounds. Oh, okay. Oh, well, I, can, I can look rebounds. it up, though. That's crazy. 900 and, 956 total rebounds. And when I saw it, I said, there's, there's no way. It's Omer Oshik stinks. That's, like, there's, there's no way. That is ridiculous. So he must have played and a lot of minutes that year. To even get that much. Yeah, no, he was not good. Omer Oshik was not good for a second. But got the um, ring. That year, that year in Houston, he played all 82 games. That's likely why he had the total rebound mark yeah. over Dwight. Yeah. Um, rebounds per game, though, 11.7. And yeah. he immediately he, he crested to that because he was at 5.3 the previous year in Chicago, only playing 15 minutes a night. And then the next year – he drops back down to 7.9 and never goes over 10 a game. Wow. If you so want to hear about Vinny Testaverde and, and Omer Oshik. Yeah, I even gave him more credit than he deserved then because I said there were a couple years where he had big rebounding numbers and really just one. Okay, good question. Yeah. Which NFL franchise has the highest regular season winning percentage? Hmm. Good question. Uh, regular season winning versus I, – I looked at a stat just like this. I'm telling you, there's, there's pages out there that grind on stats like this. Not as hard as us. Uh, n- no, n- never as hard as Nerd Sesh. Come on. Uh, <laughs> so the, we've got the Patriots, the Packers, the Cowboys, the Steelers. Those are all guys who I think are – teams that I think are – I think those are the clear – and the 49ers as well. I think the Niners – but they stunk there for a minute in the early 2000s. Uh my first guess would probably be the Patriots. It's not the Patriots. They are fourth. They did, they did stink for a minute there, too. They stunk yeah. in, like, the 80s. Uh, yeah. The Cowboys. It is the Cowboys. 57.3%. Next is the Packers at 56.8. The Chicago Bears at 56.5. Wow. And the Pats. Yeah, the Cowboys. I don't know why. It just The Cowboys were – they've been good. It, it, it's simple as it is. They've been good for – a long time, and they've yep. been great in certain periods. It makes sense. All right, what do you got? Okay, Carson, uh, another one of my favorite questions I've, I wrote down here. What draft class since 2000 produced the most All-Stars? Oh, it's a great question. Immediately, I think 2003, because obviously you have the big four, and then there are other quality players in that draft too who for some reason, none of them are coming to the top of my head, so I'm not going to name them. But my next thought is 2009. Because from 2009, you have Blake, Steph, DeRozan, Drew Holiday. And uh, Harden. Harden, of course. So that one's a little bit compelling. 2010, you have Boogie Hayward and Paul George and John Wall. A little bit of intrigue there. 2011, I don't think you're going to get it. You have Kyrie, Clay, Kawhi. Okay, I think that I have overthought this one. I think that it's 2003 because I know there are like eight all-stars in that class. 
So you get it right. It is 2003. I was hoping it'd be a little trickier, but 2003 was so dominant. Um, 2004, 2005, and 2006 all produced five All-Stars. 2009 and 2012 produced six. 2008 and 2011 produced seven. 2001 of all draft classes produced eight. And 2003 produced nine All-Stars. Who are the All-Stars from that draft? Do you have them? For 2003, I mean, it's the accessible uh, information. You know, we live in a age we of live technology. In a age. I don't know why I'm spacing on the other guys because I've done a bunch on this draft before, but I just keep thinking about the, the big guys and I keep getting it mixed up with um, six. Like I was Carmelo Anthony, Chris Bosch, Jawan Howard, or no, is that Josh Howard? Uh, Josh. Josh Howard. I'm tripping. Uh, LeBron, Chris Kamen, Kyle Korver, Dwayne Wade, David West, and uh, I believe Mo, yeah, Mo Williams. Wow, those some of those all stars are pretty bad. Chris Kamen, Mo Williams, yeah. Kyle Korver, even for an all star standards. Okay, all right. What, what, what year was Chris Kamen? Chris Kamen was an all star in 2009 to 2010. He was averaging what 13? 19 points and nine rebounds. Who cares? I was probably the worst team ever. Chris Kamen, yeah, should have 0.0 all star appearances on his resume. Okay, good question, Logan. I almost outthought myself there because I was going to just pull the trigger on 03 right away, but then I wanted to do a little surveillance of the scene. Okay, this one's kind of tough. Who is the all-time playoff sack leader? Well, so it's a guy that had to be in the playoffs consistently. Um, I'm thinking of some recent guys who may have – nobody really lasted on the Patriots. If you're going to ask a guy – if you're going to think of a guy who lasted any amount of time in the playoffs, Probably guess Richard Seymour, but I don't think that's correct. Um, Reggie White is a guy that I think is really competitive for this spot. You said this is tough, so I'm, I'm leaning towards this not being Reggie White then because he had Super Bowl runs with the Packers. I don't remember what his team was doing with the Eagles. I believe Randall Cunningham was there. Um, so those are my two guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess Reggie White if Reggie White was good and he was in the playoffs. It is not Reggie White. Um, now I'm thinking of, I don't want to guess Richard Seymour. I, Richard Seymour kind of sucked. He wasn't that good. I, I, all right. I'm going to spoil this. You have the right line of thinking. Is it, it's a Patriots guy? Yes. Patriots edge rusher. Uh, Chandler Jones. Um, not Chandler Jones. See Patriots edge rushers. Uh, Mike Vrabel, <laughs> Teddy Bruschi, Rob Ninkovich. Uh, I feel like I'm missing out on a, um, some big guys there on the on the D line for on the edge for for New England. Uh, man, who am I missing? Oh, you're missing someone. Yeah, I know. I'm. I'm <laughs> feeling this bad. DNs or. He tackles for the Pats. Who am I spacing out on? Just tell me, Carl. I, I'm, I'm literally having a, my, I'm having a brain fart right now. The answer is Willie McGinnis with 16 uh, playoff sacks. Then it's Bruce Smith with 14 and a half. Then T. Sizzle Terrell Suggs with 12 and a half. Willie McGinnis in a tier of his own as far as playoff sacks. Yeah, I'm not mad at is really because I was thinking more recent New England. I'm not mad at myself for not getting Willie McGinnis a little bit, but Willie McGinnis was well, he was pretty good. 
I mean, it's surprising though, because that's like a legitimate record to have, and it's Willie McGinnis. Yeah, out of all the guys. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of years in the playoffs. It makes sense. Okay, so are you done with questions for me? Are we just going to your bonus question? Uh, I believe that is. I'm looking through, making sure I'm not missing it. Yes, I've gotten all my questions. All right. Logan, as we always do here on Trivia Time, we wrap up with a question for you about some obscure quarterback from any team from 2005 on. So, who was the quarterback for the 2008 Cincinnati Bengals. Mm, 2008. So this is the year that the previous season, I believe, Kimo Van Allhofen, um tore Carson Palmer's ACL in the playoffs in the wild card game. Um, shout out Kimo Van Allhofen, great legendary Steelers wow. defensive end. Uh, John Kitna. Not John Kitna. So not John Kitna. Um, I believe J.T. O'Sullivan was a backup quarterback in Cincinnati for a minute. Uh, Jordan Palmer was a backup quarterback in Cincinnati for a minute, surprisingly as it may seem. Jordan Palmer, though, I sent you a video. Jordan Palmer didn't play a whole lot, so it's not Jordan Palmer. It's not. He uh, my, is on this roster. My guess would be J.T. O'Sullivan. It's not J.T. O'Sullivan. Man, those are the two Cincinnati Bengals. Jason Campbell was still in Washington. I want to get this. I'm, I'm mad that I didn't get who, – who did I miss last? Sean Hill? Yeah, Sean Hill. I didn't get, yeah, I didn't get Sean Hill last time, and I remember Sean Hill distinctly. I want to get this. Um, Bengals quarterbacks from – I mean, it's not Carson Palmer, right? No. No. That okay. would not be much of a question. <laughs> as long as I'm not missing that it's not Carson Palmer, I, I ultimately won't be that angry at myself. Um, Kidna, I felt like, was a strong guess. He was there in 2004. He was probably in Detroit or Dallas at this time in 08. Oh, wait, Bengals quarterbacks. Wow. Who did we – because we played them. We went and won a Super Bowl that year. This is true. Too bad the Bengals sucked. Um, actually, it was a good thing the Bengals sucked. Probably a free two wins. Hey, Bengals uh -oh. quarterbacks. <laughs> Zing. Yeah, I got him. Zing. Uh, man, dude, I'm telling you, J.T. O'Sullivan was my, was my nail on the head, guys. This one is – Surprisingly hard, I think, because you would not associate this player with this team. And if you told me who I would associate with him, it would be drastic. Would it be drastically easier? Probably. All right. I don't want to hear it. Bengals, was this his only season in Cincy? It was one of two seasons in Cincy. Man, he lasted two years. Charlie well, he Whitehurst. Started, he only started one year because Palmer got hurt. Charlie Whitehurst. Not Charlie Whitehurst. It's uh, it's not Billy Volick, is it? Because I remember Volick with the Chargers and Titans. It's not Billy Volick. Man. The names we cycle through on this segment. <laughs> on on Nerd Sesh. These guys have never been talked about for eight years. <laughs> Being brought up on, on, on Nerd Sesh. On, yes. Yeah. I'm proud of that. We're bringing up Billy Volick and Tyler yeah. Palco. And we give Vinny Testaverde the airtime he deserves. No, Vinny's a, Vinny's a character. I want to bring Vinny on Nerd Sesh. Yeah, we're getting him on next year. <sighs> All right, I'm going to give myself one more guess. Um, Zach Robinson was a quarterback that they had at Oklahoma State, I believe, in the 2010 draft. Uh, he never played for them. I, this, isn't, this isn't relevant information. It's the only Bengals quarterback I can think of, though. Well, this right, I'm just going to – So he probably didn't – Probably wasn't the quarterback, considering he was taken in 2010. 
Yeah, no, I'm just bringing them up because I can't think of any other quarterbacks for the Bengals. I'm just going to think of old guys because if Carson went down – all right, that's my, that's my final question for you, Carson, to narrow it down. Is it, when he played in 08, was he, was he an old guy? No, he was quite young. Quite young. Okay, this changes the question. Who was a rookie quarterback coming out or a young quarterback coming out in 2007 or 2008? Um, and why would the Bengals draft a quarterback in 2007 or 2008? They didn't, they didn't draft either. him. They didn't draft him. Man, this is brutal. Oh, wait, Batman, Carson, you were, you're going doing the research on the pro football reference. I'll give you credit. Thank you. I think you're going to be stunned when you hear this answer. Man, um, dude, I'm going through so many old Madden rosters right now. You don't even know. I don't just know. In my brain, ingrained in my brain, yeah, just Madden rosters. It's pretty, pretty gnarly. Uh, my final answer is I'm, I'm really out of guesses. I'm going to go with an old Cowboys quarterback and say uh, Quincy Carter. I don't know. Oh, 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 it's Fitzmagic. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Starter for the team. I am mad at myself for that. I am mad at myself. Four, seven, and one as a starter. Eight touchdowns to nine interceptions. Carson Palmer was 0-4 that year. Even crazier fact about Fitzpatrick, he was on the Rams for two years before Cincinnati. And he yeah, if you played, had, crazy. If Fitzpatrick had gotten time, playing time on those old Rams teams, I would have got – I if you had asked me a question along those lines, because I remember him with the Rams. He was in – I don't know if he went undrafted, but he, he was a seventh-round pick out of Harvard. And yep. he got – I believe he either aced or almost aced the Wonderlick test. That was the big yep. thing about Fitzpatrick. And I am mad at myself because I've seen so many – you know how many graphics I've seen about Fitzpatrick going from the Rams to the Bengals to the Bills to – Man, that's disappointing. Well, it was an admirable effort, and you dug pretty deep on that one. So that's going to do it for us here today on Nerd Sesh. As always, had a good time talking about some obscure things in sports history that other people just don't get to. The mainstream media won't cover. <laughs> so I've been Carson Bradford. I've been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sesh. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.